Welcome to All That Talk here on Friday, April 17th, 2020. We are Adam, Chris, Matt, and Lewis. We are providing the funniest, most outrageous, hottest takes in the world of sports this and every week. I'm Adam Jackman. Go to school at the University of Southern California. Favorite sport, baseball. Love the Mets, Giants, Utah Jazz, because my friend Justin Wright Foreman, he's the best. Got to shout him out. So that's my introduction. I'll let the other guys go. We're going to have a great show for you this week. Well, I'm Chris Bina. I go to school at Syracuse University. I'm a freshman there, and I'm a huge hockey fan. My team is the New York Islanders. Additionally, I'm a Dolphins fan. Got to rep the 305, and also I enjoy watching Yankees baseball. And I'm Matt, and I'm also a freshman at Syracuse. My favorite sport is football, and I'm an Eagles fan, a Mets fan, an Islanders fan, and a Knicks fan. I'm Lewis. I'm a freshman at University of Maryland, and my favorite two sports are lacrosse and basketball. My favorite teams are the New York Jets and the New York Islanders. All right. There we got our intros for the first episode. That's who we are. You're going to be tuning in every week. You need to know our name. So there we go. All right. News of the week. We're going to start out every episode of All That Talk with the news from around the sports world. Obviously, right now, with the coronavirus, not much news playing sports, but there's still a lot to go around. So we'll start off with each headline. Chris, why don't you take us into your news of the week? Well, the Cleveland Browns on Wednesday released new uniforms. And guys, I was wondering what you guys thought about it. I think they're all right. They're pretty solid. They're a little... They're not very original, as it's very reminiscent to their uniforms before their current ones, but I think it's an upgrade from what they currently have. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, Lou, you, you can take it away. Or was that Matt? That was me. No, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the, the uniforms look nice. They're nice and crisp. So uh, my news was the four, that Leonard Fournette is pushing for the Jaguars to sign Cam Newton. He quote, was quoted saying, he's a great guy. I've been knowing Cam for a minute now. And like I told some people that talked to me, it's no disrespect to Gardner Minshew. I'm just trying to get in the best position as a team as we can to win. Yeah, I mean, that would be scary to have, have to tackle Cam Newton and uh, Leonard Fournette in the same game. I think that would be a lethal duo if they make it happen. Yeah, that's, that, that would be really tough for opposing defenses in the AFC South. Uh, it would put, I think it would put the Jags in, in position to, to win that division because uh, they, they got a really good defense uh, on the other side of the ball. And especially with the Texans and this awful offseason, you could say, for them, uh, it's really an open division. I mean, the Colts could make some noise as well as the Titans, but I definitely see the Texans falling off. And maybe if the Jags go out and get Newton, it brings some life into Jacksonville. I just wanted to ask before we get to uh, Matt's big news of the week, uh, where do you guys see Cam Newton going? Do you see him maybe going to the Jags, or is there another possibility uh, for the former Heisman? I, th- I think it's really between the Jags and the Chargers, and I think whatever team doesn't pick a quarterback early on is where he's likely going to go, because I know he's still looking to be the starting quarterback, and I think he'd be a big difference to either of those teams. Yeah, I definitely think that a team is going to pick him up after the draft, as Matt said. Uh, just given the fact that he hasn't been picked up yet. 
Yeah, I agree with Lewis. There are so many elite quarterbacks um, in the first round this year. There are four of them at least. And, well, there, there are four of them at most. And I, I think it really depends on the draft and who selects who. And once the draft goes through uh, next Thursday, then I think we'd have a better understanding to see where Newton ends up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Cam, he's I, I've been seeing him grinding on uh, Instagram. He's been uh, putting in the work. I mean, he's 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 had an incredible story. I mean, coming from community college, going to Auburn, winning there, going to the NFL, ex- excelling at the highest possible level for the Panthers, bringing them uh, you know, on the cusp of, of a Lombardi. Um, so I don't think his career is over by any stretch of the means. I think he'll go to the to the place that fits him best. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see what what the rest of uh, his time in the NFL brings. But Matt, you are talking about a big uh, topic in the sports world, in social media, um, on Instagram a lot these days. What is that this weekend? Well, a big Michael Jordan documentary is coming out on Sunday. And he was actually quoted this week as saying, when you see the footage of it, you're going to think that I'm a horrible guy. And I mean, that's not news to me. I've heard that around, you know, just around that he wasn't the nicest guy. But I think that's kind of expected. I think a lot of great players are... Not, not maybe not bad people, but overly competitive and can kind of be mean and stuff like that. Uh, and so that's, I kind of expect that. But the truth is that, you know, Michael had to toughen up his teammates for the playoffs. Uh, he never asked them to do things he didn't already do. So I kind of respect that from him, but I understand why he might come off that way. Well, I mean, we, we heard, um, you know, guys talk about Kobe Bryant posthumously and, and, you know, we heard, great stories uh guys like michael beasley telling that kobe um you know would yell at his teammates uh and and it was and you know it wasn't that he he was trying to be disrespectful he was just trying to be uh the greatest basketball player of all time and i think michael had that side to him that i don't think a lot of people uh especially the newer age basketball fans who didn't get to see michael play uh may realize that side of him but yeah but but I mean I mean this this documentary is is hype more than anything considering that there's you know not a lot of sports to go around um, but I'm I'm really excited to see it and I, I know you guys are as well. Yeah, this is a little off topic, but Charles Barkley one time tells the story about how uh, Michael Jordan refused to let him help a homeless man because uh, Michael Jordan said if he can ask you for money he can say welcome to McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, in order to be the best basketball player of all time, arguably, I know a lot of people are having that debate now, LeBron, Kobe, um, Michael Jordan. uh, But, you know, arguably one of the best, the best basketball player of all time, uh, you know, it it takes a lot of hard work to get there. And I mean, really, people have never seen, you know, the behind the scenes until this documentary is going to come out. So it's kind of just a reopening of, what happened almost, you know, 30 years later. Uh, and these, and these teams were just the greatest teams of, of the 1990s, arguably in the entire uh, history of the NBA. So I think it's going to be a real treat to see this on ESPN. Gonna, you know, they do all the best work there. Uh, 30 for 30 great documentary pieces on everybody. So I can't imagine this is going to be of any less quality. Well, Matt, do you um, know by any chance the streaming service that this is going to be on or um, I want to say, I want to say, actually, I'm, I'm really not sure. I don't want to say anything wrong, but I, I, I don't know yet. I, 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 I think it's going to be on ESPN. Oh, oh, it's, yeah, it's live. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, okay. I think it's going to be live yeah, on yeah. ESPN. I think it's going to be like airing 
each Sunday and then maybe two days after or something like that. Each There's like four episodes, I want to say. I'm not sure, but we can check that out later. Um, but I just want to wrap up our news of the week this week. Um, final topic for today, the all-in challenge. Um, so athletes on social media are auctioning off experiences, once-in-a-lifetime uh, kind of opportunities with them to raise money to help fight the coronavirus. Guys like Saquon Barkley are, in, are inviting uh, you to a private workout. Peyton Manning uh, teaching you how to read defenses. Tom Brady taking you out on his boat. Uh, A-Rod taking you, you know, um, to a hitting batting cage and, and teaching you all the secrets of his power. So, I mean, I think this is great. I think uh, it promotes charity within the sports community, it kind of combines sports with the efforts to fight coronavirus um, and help people in need. And I just think this is a, this is a great thing um, that the community is doing and, and, and that, you know, it kind of, it, it does really represent all the good sports can do. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys real quick, since we got some time, uh, you know, I know you guys have seen it. I, I could, I could keep going into the examples. What, what would you most like to do if you had, uh, you know, the chance to be with any athlete and, and, uh, accept this all in challenge? Mm, that's, that's definitely a tough one. I feel like it would be really, really cool to just spend a day with, let's say, I mean, um, this is a little like hypothetical and, but imagine you got to spend a day with the greatest players of each of the four major sports and just instead of even doing something that like awesome, I just would want to hear from them and their stories and like get to know them as people. And so like, let's say, well, for our generation, at least, let's say I'd, I'd meet with like LeBron, um, Tom Brady, Mike Trout, or, or I'd say Derek Jeter, uh, just cause I'm a Yankee fan. And, um, I mean, you could say Ovechkin, Crosby, whatever, and just talk to them and just hear about their stories and everything they've gone through. I feel like that would just be amazing. Just get that insight. Yeah, All I right. Think, so uh, any, anyone else or uh, are we moving on? I think as a football fan, I would just uh, – I mean, he probably wouldn't let me and he would probably never do this, but I think I'd like to get inside the head of Bill Belichick and just kind of see how <laughs> he re- reads offenses because he's probably – I mean, he's the greatest defensive mastermind and – you know, the history of the sport. And so I think I, that would be really cool just to get in his head and maybe I could pick up some things. Lou, you got any experiences? <laughs> yeah, I think I'd give LeBron a run for his money in one-on-one. <laughs> That's great. I, th- I, think, I think you could maybe keep up with uh, him for five seconds. <laughs> Wait till he does a reverse dunk right over you. <laughs> I don't know, he's pretty ranged uh, defender. Well... <laughs> Well, uh, I think that that about wraps up our uh, our news of the week. Uh, we'll be bringing that to you every week. Best stories in sports from the four of us. Uh, Matt, you take us into our next headlining section. Yeah, our next segment is pretty close to my heart, not only because it's uh, my sort of uh, thought, but I think it's just it's easy to say, you know, Connor McDavid is really talented or I think the Lakers might make the playoffs this year. But I think everyone knows that despite how hard we can, you know, we can harp on it. So this segment is things that the consensus either disagrees with or maybe has flown under the radar. Some people haven't thought about. This is our most unpopular opinions, okay? So, you know, we're just going to have to do our own piece. We'll get a minute to do it. And then the rest of us will rank 1 to 10 how convincing we are. And so uh, I guess sort of the most, the highest ranking you get 
will determine what place you come in. This, this is where I'm going to uh, explain our point system. So our show is a bit of a point system built in. It's going to do – this is going to be a reoccurring segment with unpopular sports opinions. In the first place, we'll get five. Second, three. Third, we'll get one. And fourth, we'll get zero. And we're also going to do this for the quiz, and Chris is going to explain how the quiz works in that way later on. But uh, I think if we're ready, whoever wants to do their fir- uh, first take can go. Yeah, I'll take the first jab at it. Let's hear it, Lou. So the title of my unpopular sports opinion is Tom Ain't Tom Anymore. I feel like Brady signed this deal with Tampa Bay and everyone forgot that he's been struggling a bit these past couple of years. And although last year didn't ended uh, abruptly losing to the Titans, um, and they did win the year before that, I feel like Tom is just a shell of his former self. And when Brady signed this deal with Tampa, it seemed like everyone kind of forgot that. They forgot that he can't really throw the ball down the field anymore. And they're like, oh, wow, now the Bucs are really a contender. Uh, maybe they'll overthrow the Saints. And they're talking about how uh, Tampa Bay's uh, assets in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are really going to give Brady uh, a step up and help the Tampa Bay Buccaneers emerge as a elite team in the league. And, I mean, going, going back to a couple stats from last year, he averaged less than five yards an attempt in back-to-back weeks. He was 19-36 against the Chiefs, which is awful. And he had a QBR of just 40.6 against the Titans in, a, uh, in, the, in that playoff game. I mean, fortunately for Brady, Belichick's scheme was so good that he was able to get away with his inability to throw the ball down the field with those winky-dinky passes uh, in the – in the slot. And I think that I, I just, I don't think that Brady's going to be the answer for Tampa Bay. Uh, I just, All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take a first crack at, uh, at, at my opinion on that. And then we'll go into the, you know, I, I know Matt had something to say, um, but I, I think, I think Lou, you got a point. I think uh, you kind of opened up my mind a little bit to that. Um, I was kind of thinking that already. Uh, to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I kind of compare him to uh, Peyton Manning in a way in terms of the decline, because I think both of those guys are great players. They both were really uh, are really great players to the end of their careers. And, you know, Brady's obviously approaching the end of his. Um, but Peyton went to Denver. And the only reason I think we can all agree is that he got to two Super Bowls with Denver is that he um, he had a great defense behind Definitely. him. He had, I mean, uh, amazing. I mean, Von Miller, uh, you know, winning the the Super Bowl uh, MVP that year. I, I mean, it, it was it was it was all the defense for Denver. So I think I can't agree somewhat with that. But I'll get into my uh, my ranking on that later. Matt, I know you had something to, to add. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm completely aware Tom Brady is not the same player he once was. But I think what I would say to you, Lewis, is that. You know, the Patriots, the reason why you say five yards per attempt is because the Patriots didn't have anybody who can get open downfield. Their, their offense wasn't built that way. You know, it was it was dink and dunk because Julian Edelman was the best receiver on the field. They didn't have anybody in the stratosphere of Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or even O.J. Howard. And so I think when you go down to Tampa, I think he's going to have more options. Of course, he's not going to be 2012 or 2013 Tom Brady, but... He's going to be a hell of a lot better than Jameis Winston, and I think that team is still going to. I think that I think that team is still going to be uh, a threat in the NFC South. Hey, you're forgetting that Jameis had over 30 touchdowns last year. 30 interceptions. Though. Yeah, he, he had a 30-30 season, Lou. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion on this, Lewis, I was kind of 
similar to Adam, like I was thinking the same thing that he that he obviously has not been the same player over the past couple of years, that he has been on a decline. And while he isn't the same player anymore, it's it's definitely important to mention how he has an upgrade in um, in receivers down the field. But then again, he has to learn a whole new offensive system. So I, I think it's a decent argument, pretty good argument. Okay. Yeah, I, I um, so now we'll get into our uh, our rankings of it. I or do you guys want to rank after? Do you want to rank? I'd now? say let's yeah. rank now. Yeah, we'll rank now. So I'll give it. I'll give it a. Uh, uh, so we're giving it. Uh, I'll give. I'll give it a six uh, because you know I was kind of already thinking that way. Like if it was someone I wasn't thinking about, and then you know you kind of opened me up to it, I would give it a little higher of a score. But I think a six is uh, accurate for me. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm sorry, Lewis. I'm going to say I'm going to be at a three because I, I, I already knew Tom Brady was on decline. And I don't think I, I'm sorry, but I don't think your po- I, I think your points kind of missed the scope of it because I still think he'll be good on the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going to give it a solid five. I think it was a decent argument. It was like a, an average one. You made some good claims, but at the same time, it, I, I feel like it wasn't as hot as it could have been for a hot take. All right, so Lewis ends his scoring with 14. So that is the score to beat on the board. Does anyone want to have a crack at beating it? I'll go next. All right. All right, Speen, take it away. So my unpopular opinion, and you guys know I'm Islander fans. I'm a huge Islander fan. And you guys may think when you hear this at first that it's not – that it's just me being a biased Islander fan. Once I get into the stats and the details, I'm pretty sure you guys will be agreeing with me. And this is a very hot take. In the 2018 free agency, the Toronto Maple Leafs should not have signed John Tavares. That's my take. And here we go. So first of all, the Maple Leafs, they do not need the offense. They have Austin Matthews, the first pick of the 2016 draft. He's the number one center. And if you wanted another offensive player, you go after a wing. They arguably have one of the best offenses in the league without Tavares with Marner, uh, Matthews, Nylander, Riley, who's a great offensive defenseman. And if you just want to look at season to season with and without Tavares, in the 2018 season without Tavares, they had a plus 40 goal differential. In the 2019 season with JT, it was a plus 37. And then this past season, it was plus 15. And keep in mind, the Leafs' young core gets better and better each passing year. So if you see the trend, they're getting worse, if anything. And if you look at the standings well, without JT in 2018, they had 105 points they lost to Boston in game seven in 2019 they had 100 points with Tavares and they lost to game seven in Boston again and in that series Tavares had two goals that's it he had two goals and one of those was an empty net and this past season the Leafs were on pace to finish with only 95 points and going back to this 2019 series in the games the Leafs won they held Boston to two or less goals and those were three games in the games the Leafs lost they gave up four or more goals that's inexcusable to do four times in a series and let's not pretend it's Freddie Anderson's fault he's a great goalie the problem is the Leafs need a better defense so instead in 2018 free agency instead of going after Tavares to improve their offense that they don't need to improve they should have got a solid defenseman like Tyler Myers he's a great defensive defenseman he helped the Canucks put together a great season and it would have cost less for them to re-sign Jake Gardner who went off to Carolina and get Myers than get Tavares and if you look at the defensive uh, the mishaps and how bad their defense was in that series against Boston. If they got two defensive players there, I think it would have been a different story and they may have won the series. So all in all, the Leafs should have never have signed John Tavares. And I think they'd be a better team without him and acquiring a defense. Okay. Team. I think that was about, I think I grew, I grew about 10 inches since you started that little spiel there. Um, but 
you know, <laughs> let, let's try to keep our opinions a little bit shorter next time. I certainly will. Um, but, Spien, I think uh, in terms of the point you made, in terms of the sums of your uh, argument, uh, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I agree with every point you just made. I can't think of a single thing wrong with you, what you just said. Um, so, really not an unpopular opinion for me. Yeah, I can't say I, I disagree with you, Chris. I, I didn't think of that uh, beforehand, but I think you're right. They, the Maple Leafs didn't really build a complete team there. I think they kind of uh, bit at getting their hometown hero and a really talented player. Uh, but I also I don't I can't really blame them for doing that. I mean, I'm it went I mean to get a hometown hero like that and someone that good. Also, the coaching I don't think was uh, up to par later in that uh, tenure. So, yeah, I'm gonna harp off Matt here. I think that. Uh, Toronto thought they had more of a complete team when they signed Tavares than they actually did, as you mentioned, the defensive struggles. But uh, we did see a coaching change uh, this year, and I really don't think that we've seen the full potential from John Tavares. So if they had a better scheme, I definitely think that he would have more of a role in the team. They'd be more productive. All right, so let's get to everyone's um, ranking of Chris's opinion. Chris, I'm going to give you uh, a three on that end. Um, really, I mean, I kind of thought that way. Like, I, I mean, I, I think John DeVaris is a great player. Um, just, I agree, like, the Maple Leafs are offensive heavy, and that's what's kind of been their uh, downfall. Yeah, I'm going to give you a six, Chris. I, like, uh, I wasn't fully convinced before then, but you kind of you kind of made me uh, think more that way. But I still, I just still, like, personally can't blame the Maple Leafs for doing that. Yeah, I'm going to go with a five. Uh, I think that you, you had good points, but I really just – I think that Tavares just hasn't seen his full potential in the Maple Leafs. All right, so Chris is tied with Lou for the lead with uh, 14 points. Um, Matt, why don't you get into uh, your unpopular take? Okay, my unpopular take is that the Denver Broncos will win at least 10 games, and I think they will be a top-four team in the AFC. And I'm going to start out with this. They won four out of their last five games, and their last five games were the games they played with Drew Locke, their new quarterback. The only loss coming to the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Uh, in terms of their defense, I think they were a really good defense last year. I think they have a chance to be elite this year. They were 10th in, allow, uh, in points allowed per game last year, 12th in, in yards allowed per game last year. And I think Vic Fangio has a good track record of uh, developing defenses. I mean, we saw the Bears a couple of years ago, that Super Bowl 49ers team. Uh, against the Ravens, that was really good with Patrick Willis. Plus, they added A.J. Boye and Jarrell Casey, who are good veteran, veteran players to make that defense even better. Bradley Chubb's coming back from injury. In terms of the offense, I actually had Drew Locke as my number two quarterback last year. I think they're teaming with young talent between, uh, obviously, Locke, uh, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, uh, Cortland Sutton. They have a good offensive line. And plus, they added Melvin Gordon and Graham Glasgow. They have 12 picks, five in the first three rounds, a lot of spots to upgrade that offense. And in terms of scheduling, they don't have a hard schedule. I mean, they play the AFC East, a pretty bad division. Uh, they play the NFC, uh, NFC South, who, I mean, the Bucks and the Saints are good. But the thing is, they get the Bucks and Saints at home. And we know Tom Brady isn't great in Denver. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I think between all the, you know, their, their team improving and the scheduling and what they showed last year, I think I have them winning at least 10 games. Uh, that, was, I, I, that really is a good take, Uh I really wasn't thinking of the Denver Broncos as a potential contender. Uh, but the fact that you mentioned, you know, they played those last five games, only lost to the, to the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Um, you know, their, their defense is, is, is always solid. Uh, Von Miller's a great player. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, defense wins championships, defense wins games. And I think they could have a real, real good shot in, um, in, in, in a wild card scenario. Obviously I think the chiefs are going to win the AFC West. Um, but with, with, with a wild card spot with 10 wins, I think they can get there. Well, Matt, I, I can't say the same thing. I, I personally don't think the Broncos are going to be that good if, if good at all. I just think, yeah, the AFC West is just too competitive. I think the Chiefs obviously are the team to beat, but I really see the Chargers taking a next step next year, whether they get Tua, Herbert, and or somebody in the draft, or if they go after free agency and try to get like uh, Newton or Watson or somebody. I just think the Chargers have a really good team. And while you mentioned like them hosting Tampa Bay and them hosting New Orleans and Buffalo, let's say, I, I just think those are much better teams who will ha- make short work of Denver. And let's not forget, like they still play New England. They play in the in New York. They play the Steelers who are going to have a better year. So I, I, I'm sorry. I just can't see them winning 10 games. I'd say seven's probably more what I would think and what I would expect. Yeah, I'm going to have to back Chris a little bit on this one. I think that uh, the Chargers definitely are one piece away from uh, really being a that playoff team that they wanted. I mean, Phillip Rivers never really had it for them. Uh, but also, I feel like we haven't really seen enough of Drew Locke. Uh, I think your point would be a little bit more convincing if Locke had played most of the season. And I think that uh, in terms of wide receivers, they got young guys, but they're a little bit unproven and I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and your point, but I don't know if they have a step up on a team like the Chargers in that division. All right, so let's get into the rankings. I'm going to give you a seven, Matt. I think that that, that opened my eyes a little bit, maybe because I just wasn't looking at it as hard, but um, I think you made some good points. I, I think I'll give it a seven. Sorry, Matt, I have to go with the two. I just, I, I just, have, I just don't see them coming near 10 games. Ten wins, ten wins. I'm gonna have to give you a five just because I do see the pieces here, and I, and I, I would like to see them pull it all together. But I really, I don't know about ten wins. I'm gonna have to. It's it's on it's on Drew Locke's back. All right, so that leaves Matt with fourteen. So we (laughs) have a three way tie across the top of the board uh, going into the quiz. Besides. My unpopular opinion, which I'll give right now. Um, let's see if I can beat it or, or get another 14. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Boyan Bo, Bogdanovich was the best offseason signing in the NBA. And I will prove it like this. Uh, he is right now in his career, he's in his age 30 season, which is about a little on the decline of the prime of, of most guys, usually the age 28 season in the NBA. But right now he's at the top, top of his career in points per game with 20.2 points per game on in terms of three point percentage. He is the second best in his career, only second to uh, four years ago uh, with, with the Pacers or two years ago, excuse me, with the Pacers um, in terms of three through, free throw percentage he is top one of the top free throw shooters in the league over 90 percent from the charity stripe that is way above any career mark in his nba time and he's averaging the most minutes played in his career 33 minutes a game so putting in that time for the jazz and really mixing well with rudy gobert and donovan mitchell and throwing that jazz team into the conversation of an NBA finals contender, which you could say at the beginning of the season, they were, but I think 
Uh, I think Bogdanovich really elevated them, and he's had two game-winning three-pointers. So that's two wins that the Jazz absolutely have because he's in the lineup. So I think he's provided the best value to his team. He's had the best career numbers, and that's why he's the best pickup of this uh, of this offseason in the NBA. Um, okay, I guess I'll go first. Uh, Adam, I think there's no doubt that that was a big signing for the Jazz. I mean, the, they needed three-point shooting. They needed the guy in the corner. Uh, and I think uh, Bojan is a very, a very good player. Uh, my only thing is to say he's the best screen signing of that period. I think, I think that's ludicrous. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, uh, both made the Clippers and the Heat uh, like significantly better, like, like a lot better. And then I think, and like Kemba Walker to the Celtics was big. You talk about, I don't know if you count KD. I guess KD and Kyrie would count as signings also. So I just, I'm not sold that he's the most, uh, like the, the most important, biggest most differential signing of the period. Yeah, I, I, the first person that came to my mind was Jimmy Butler. I mean, I, I don't know way, uh, what Butler has, been, has done for the Heat, uh, tying together a bunch of young guys, being the, the star player, and making the Heat a – they were up there as one of the top teams in the East for most of the season. They still are. They're in like they were in fourth place or something when the season came to a suspension. Um, I really just don't think that he is uh, – Bogdanovich has the same value uh, as Jimmy Butler did to the Heat. Yeah, and sorry, Adam, same page. I think Kawhi Leonard was the best signing. I mean, he just came off a championship, and you see the Clippers right now. They're – 44 and 20, second in the West, right up there, rejuvenating rejuvenating the rivalry in LA basketball. So yeah, um, I just think I, I feel like you can't say he's the best signing of the free agent period. So, well, I mean, they're unpopular opinions for a reason, exactly. and this one was obviously very unpopular among the group. So why don't you guys give the rankings? Okay, um, I guess since I went first, I'll go first for the ranking. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna give you a three just because. I think you made a good point on how good Bogdanovich is. I just, I just can't get on board with he was the most uh, differential signing of the period. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to go with the five again. I mean, it was a good point, and I really just feel like I can't lean in any direction. Uh, that, yeah, that's so why I'm going to go with the five. Sorry, Adam. I said I'm going to go with the three. Uh, I agree with Hassan that he you did make him out to be a good player, and you did give a hot take. I feel like I would have given a, like a two if it wasn't as hot of a take, but I, 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 I think with your balls to go and say that, I'm going to give you a three instead of a two. All right, so that finishes my score with a 12, so I'm two points behind or – or excuse, uh, Matt, you gave me a, a two. Matt gave you a three. Okay, so that so that finishes me with eleven. So I'm three points behind the leaders. You all got fourteen, and now we will move on to our next section, which I think everyone's going to like because this is more of a confrontational section, uh, open-ended debate. And Lewis, why don't you take us into that? Yep. All right. So for this segment, we're basically going to. Just bring up some hypothetical, uh, and as individuals, we are going to debate as to uh, what we think the best solution, uh, what we think the best, in this case, the best location is if you are a rookie quarterback entering the league. So that can be a culmination of, as a team, do you want to enter a team that you feel like you can step in and start winning right away, or location, 
or best contract somewhere you want to be long term. And so since I kind of introduced the topic, I think that I should start with my take on the situation. Only teams in top 10, by the way. Yes. So, top 10 picks in the draft, just making that clear. And it's for teams yeah. who are going to pick a quarterback as well. So, like, the Giants aren't included. Or the potential to pick a quarterback. Yeah. So, for this, it's Bengals, Redskins, Lions, Dolphins, Chargers, Jaguars, and Panthers. So, I'm going to go with the L.A. Chargers. And away from football, it's Los Angeles. Adam, you go to school there. Tell me L.A. ain't popping. Uh, oh, it is. <laughs> And it's a complete team, as we said earlier in the show, uh, regarding to Matt's take on the Broncos. I think they are just, they've always been one step away from really being a Super Bowl contender. And Philip Rivers has been holding, holding them down a bit uh, in terms of his just out of his prime, getting old uh, and really can't sling it down the field anymore. But they have the weapons for a good young quarterback to come in there and make an impact right, right away with Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. And, I mean, the only other, other place that if I was a quarterback I'd really want to go to would maybe be Carolina, but they did just sign Teddy Bridgewater. There's competition, uh, and you just don't have the same offensive weapons in a place like Miami. Well, Lou, I'm gonna, I said Miami, so I got to go after you. I think if you're talking about short-term success, I think L.A. is the way to go. But if you're looking towards the long-term success and the, the highest ceiling, the opportunity to win a Super Bowl, it's in Miami. Players want to play for Coach Flores. The Dolphins have five picks in the first 56 in the draft, and they have two first-round picks next year. They're really building the team. And another big thing is that they're in an open division. In three years, the Dolphins, if everything goes right, can win the division and can be a consistent playoff team. However, regardless what the Chargers do, they're always going to have to face Patrick Mahomes for the next 10, 12 years, and he's always going to be a competitor in the AFC West. And while the, the Chargers at the moment have better receivers and backs and more weapons around the quarterback, I think long-term the Dolphins will be better in that aspect. At the moment, they have Devontae Parker, who was fifth in yards and sixth in touchdowns last year. They Preston Williams is on the come up. He had a great year last year, the undrafted rookie. They have they improved mightily on defense in free agency, and they're going to inc- uh, they're going to continue to improve the O line in the next couple drafts. So I think if you want to win long term, Miami's the place for you. Yeah, I think the only reason you'd want to go to Miami is for the no state income tax. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I guess I'll, Matt, I'll, why don't you get into yours? Yeah, I'll go into mine. Uh, I, I, I pretty much landed where Lewis did. I'm going to say the Chargers, too. I think they're the most ready to win this year and really towards the future. I mean, in terms of the defense, like you're, as, as, a, as a quarterback, you're not going to have to score as many points. I mean, they were sixth in yards allowed per game last year. Sixth. And they added Chris Harris Jr. and Linval Joseph. And, and that was with Phillip Rivers turning over the ball. Uh, you know, he was third in interceptions last year, so a lot of less short fields, hopefully. Uh, and, you know, you're not really expected to carry the offense. Anthony Lynn runs a run-first offense. Plus, you got weapons like Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Austin Eckler's really good. Uh, I think the only team with maybe better weapons than them in this top ten is the Panthers. But I think the Panthers are rebuilding, and they don't really have a defense right now. And just to finish off, to go with Anthony Lynn, uh, he's, I think he's the most stable coach out of all of them. He's the long, he's been the, he's has the longest tenure and the most proven. Last year was his first losing season. He's 26-22. and 22. And he's made the playoffs and won a playoff game before, unlike a lot of the coaches uh, 
in that list. So I'm also going to go with the Chargers. I got to go with uh, the Panthers. Uh, Chris kind of uh, restructured my argument by saying that the Chargers are going to have to play uh, Pat Mahomes for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And that's, that's scary. I don't want to be in a division with Pat Mahomes having to face him twice a year. Um, And he could elevate to arguably one of the greatest passing quarterbacks of all time. Uh, So yeah, definitely don't want to see him twice a year. Um, And I also want to be in in a situation where I'm not thrown right into the fire. You see a lot of these QBs, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Kyler Murray, and they're thrown right into the fire in their first seasons. And it kind of breaks your confidence down a little bit. And, and, and it, and it, and it kind of results in, in some bad situations um, for guys who, who might not build their skills on the sidelines, backing up someone who might be really good. So I think the Panthers are the best situation. Teddy Bridgewater, maybe he'll start this year. You'll, you know, a quarterback could back him up from the draft, maybe even the following year. But then, you know, once you understand the system, once you get into it, I think that quarterback can then be inserted just like Aaron Rodgers did with Brett Favre. Obviously, I am not comparing Teddy Bridgewater to Brett Favre in any way. I'm just saying that you can have some sort of mentor to guide you along and bring you into the league. And I think the Panthers are are really formidable in the AFC South in years to come because you're not going to have Drew Brees there for much longer. You're not going to have Tom Brady there for much longer. You're not going to have Matt Ryan there for much longer. I mean, he's kind of entering the, the twilight of his career. So the, 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 if the Panthers play their cards right and pick the quarterback of the future, then I think they could be good, the best in the long term. Um, like Chris was making the argument for the Dolphins, I think the Panthers are best for the long term. And a quick thing about Adam, uh, for Adam, uh, at the moment, Fitzpatrick would be mentoring a young quarterback for the Dolphins, but you definitely make a, a good point. I definitely agree with you more than the other guys in L.A. So we got that together, at least. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll go into our next segment uh, of, of draft discussion, um, which is uh, who, who will get picked uh, high, too high, who is the o- most overrated uh, in this draft, and, who, and who's kind of a sleeper in, in this draft. Um, Chris, why don't we start with, uh, with you? Well, the way I handled this was a, not really who's like a bust and a sleeper, but who I think is going to get picked too high and too low. So for pick too low, I think Chase Young is going to get picked too low. I believe he's the best player in the draft, and he can easily fall to three or four if the Dolphins or Chargers trade up to get a quarterback. At Ohio State last year, he had 16.5 sacks and four six fumbles in only 11 games. He's a filthy combo of speed and power. And remember, he's only 20 years old. This, the current Chase Young we see is only a, a part of what the potential NFL superstar Chase Young could be. So I, I think, once again, he's the best player in the draft, and it would be a real steal for a team to get him at three or four, which is very, very possible. Uh, yeah, and for, for me, I, I think I kind of interpreted this question a little bit differently. I, I didn't think of someone who's going to be overdrafted, but someone who's going to be as most bust potential. So, for example, I think Jeff Okuda is going to be overdrafted, but I don't think he's going to be a bust. So, for me, my, my biggest bust potential player in the first round is Dieter Gross-Matos, the, uh, an edge rusher out of Penn State. Uh, I think he's a clear developmental prospect. He obviously has, like, elite athletic traits. Maybe not elite, but, they're ve- like, he's very athletic. And I just have not seen him show a variety of pass rush moves. I've gone from power to speed, speed to power. I don't know if he's capable. I don't know if he's capable of it. Like, is it coaching? Does he not know how? And it's just not a lot of production, like, getting sacks. And I think he could succeed in the right situation if he was drafted late, like, to the Ravens of the Pats where they can coach him up. 
but I think it's dangerous if he goes to maybe the Falcons, the Jags, Raiders, Titans, other teams that need a pass rusher. So I just think there's a lot. He has a lot more to do. There's a lot more to be developed, and if he doesn't get developed, he's a potential to be a bust. Lou, why don't you uh, give yours? Yeah, I, I kind of interpret it similar to Matt. I think that <laughs> I honestly think that Joe Burrow is going to be a big bust, and I know this wow. is a very hot take. And I really, I think that a product of Joe Burrow's success was the team that he was on uh, in that LSU team was star-studded with players. And I think that going to Cincinnati, he's going to struggle a bit in these first couple of seasons. uh, And hopefully he can get on the right track. Uh, But he really just doesn't have the surrounding talent uh, necessary to develop and I think being in that division uh with the Ravens and um I don't know I I really just I'd be I'd be weary about Joe Burrow in the NFL I Lou you stole my bust um I I I agree I think Joe Burrow uh I don't I I honestly don't see the hype at number one I think he's not the best quarterback in this draft um I, I think that Justin Herbert, you know, out, out excels him uh, in terms of skill. And in, in terms of Lou, you made the great point of, you know, he was playing on an insane team. I mean, the all-star team of college football, uh, you know, and that's one of the reasons they went undefeated. And look, Joe Burrow's a talented quarterback. Do I think he can lead the, the Bengals to success in the next five or even seven, you know, potentially 10 years? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I either think it's going to, you know, going to take a lot from him or, uh, you know, he might have to find a new situation. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I don't think Joe Burrow's the one. And then just quickly uh, on my sleeper uh, out of the University of Southern California, Michael Pittman Jr., I think he's going to get picked um, late in the first round, maybe early in the second round. I personally believe he's the best receiver in this draft, can go up, get any ball out in the open field, can get balls when contested, has quick lightning speed, ran under a 4-5 at the, uh, at the combine. Um, and, and he's a big guy too, so not, not, just, not just have that speed. He can have that height to go up, and he, and he put up insane numbers. He was third uh, as a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Trophy, which is the best receiver in college football. Um, and, and I think he'll, he'll outdo Jerry Judy um, uh, on, the, on, the, on the NFL stage. Well, Adam, I'm going to jump in since I did my sleeper earlier. I never got to do a chance. I never got the chance to do my bust. So and once again, for me, at least the way I structured it, it's who I think is going to get drafted for this guy is going to be too early compared to Chase Young, who I said who will get drafted too late. So my person for this is Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. I think he's the highest risk highest reward type player but I think he will be drafted earlier uh, than he should considering he could turn out to be such a massive bust last year he had 17 17 interceptions against only half decent competition he played only two ranked teams in LSU and Boise State and in those games he threw a combined one touchdown and four interceptions he's overly aggressive he makes careless decision making he has careless decision making um, and he's a raw player he definitely could come become a complete bust he definitely could become a great player but I just all in all don't think he's worth the top 15 pick all right well I think you all guys make great points about busting sleepers we can all now sit back and watch our predictions uh become freezing cold or red hot 
Uh, we'll see what happens over, over the next, uh, you know, few years to come with a lot of these picks. And we'll see what happens, obviously, on Thursday night. We'll have draft reaction on Friday for all our listeners. So stay tuned for that. But we want to continue with this draft analysis by getting into a segment of our show, which is a bit of a more structured debate. Matt, why don't you take us through that? Okay, so are we not doing sleep? Am I doing my sleeper? Or go ahead, Matt. Go with your sleeper. You can you can go with your sleeper. I, I just want to get 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 through the flow a little bit. Okay, I mean I can move on. I just I just wanted to know if you're doing that. Um, yeah, yeah. Go go with your sleeper real quick if you want. Okay, I'll be quick. Yeah. Okay, my sleeper is Antoine Winfield Jr., a safety out of Minnesota, someone I watched a lot because I have a friend who's from Minnesota. He's being projected as a, a second to third round pick, uh, and I think he just he just kind of jumps off the screen when you look at him. He's a, he's elite speed. Uh, good in coverage. He throws his body out like reckless abandon. Uh, and I, I'm really, I'd be shocked if he was not, if like, if he, if he didn't turn out to be like, great. I see Earl Thomas at him. I see Tyron Matthew. And I think he's fantastic. And I would be, uh, I'd be shocked if it didn't work out in the NFL. Yeah, that's, I, I think, I think that's, uh, that's a, that's a good take. I mean, um, you know, uh, I, I think the, the, the aspects and the qualities that, that he has, um, they could be valuable at the NFL level. So, um, you know, as I said, we'll, we'll see with all these guys, uh, you know, making predictions is tough, uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad you all took, took, the, took the risk on that. Uh, so, Hassan, now why don't we get into our structured debate now? Okay, so we have a structured debate, which is essentially a two-on-two argument. Each side is going to get two minutes to make their case and a minute uh, for rebuttals. Uh, today, we're going to argue uh, about a team that Chris holds very dearly to his heart, the Miami Dolphins. And we're going to debate who should they take at pick five, Herbert or Tua, given that they're both still there. So uh, I don't know who wants to do their argument first. Um, I'm happy. You know what? How about we go with two, the, Tua man, the Tua guys first? Go sure. ahead, Tua. All right. So this is me and Lewis. We believe that Tua... Why the here's why the Dolphins should draft Tua over Herbert. There are three reasons why. One, Tua is a better quarterback. Two, Tua is a better fit in Miami. Three, you have to risk it for the biscuit. I'll start with why he's the better quarterback first. He has more talent. He's a better leader. He has better accuracy over his career. He had 69% completion compared to 59% for Herbert. Tua averaged more yards per game, uh, about almost 65 yards, uh, more yards per game. He had more touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than Herbert in five left games. And regardless of what you want to say about his receivers, that speaks. Tua had a 7.9 touchdown to interception ratio. Herbert had a 4.1 touchdown to interception ratio. Tua has a great awareness and can read the field. And he's a proven winner. He's a national champion. He lost two games in his college career. And both of those teams eventually did go on to win the national championship. So Tua is a better quarterback than Herbert. And Lewis with why he's a better fit in the 305. Yeah, Brian Flores, uh, coach for the Dolphins, was quoted saying they want an it factor at the QB position. So we interpret that as do guys rally around this this uh, player? Is he an important piece that uh, other people want to uh, build off of? And two is a proven leader down in Alabama. And Herbert, on the other hand, he's been perceived as meek, Gentle, soft-spoken. I mean, I think that Tua has the the charisma and the proven success, as Spina mentioned, to uh, be a valuable asset on a team like the Dolphins that is rebuilding. 
Uh, one of the most important things you can have on a team is uh, leadership. And especially at the quarterback position, I think that he'll be super valuable for the team. And Adam, how much time do we have left? Because we could save our next thing for the rebuttal. I, I think that's about sure. it. I think we should get into uh, our, our opposition. So, Matt, why don't you uh, start us off? Okay, I'm, I'm going to do pro-Herbert, and then I'm going to go into my knocks for Tua. But in terms of Herbert, I think he's the prototypical NFL quarterback. I mean, he's 6'6", 240 pounds, easily the best running quarterback in the draft. I think he's almost Josh Allen that way. The strongest arm in the draft, which, despite what people may say, is obviously the most important thing a quarterback can have, other than accuracy. No injury concerns. And I think all the negatives are really about the offense, the team, not about what he actually did. Uh, so like, you know, like tell me players on Oregon's offense that are going to be drafted this year, please. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. Tell me one. Uh, and, and t- I, I, I've seen, I've seen Oregon play and Justin Herbert's the standalone, uh, first, first round pick. And, and just quickly to say anti Tua, I mean, you, you, if you're picking a guy at five, you can't have injury concern like this. He's gotten injured three times in the last two years, a hip injury. That's very serious. And he plays a game that lends itself to injuries. He's six feet, 217 pounds. And he throws his body around like it's nothing. Not to mention he's working with uh, three top 15 picks at receiver. And he's part of the, one, the biggest uh, offensive machines of all time in college football. So I, I'm, just, I'm not buying that over Herbert. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I hate to hop on the injury bandwagon again. But if you look at quarterbacks in, in the NFL and, and you look at injuries, I mean, it's becoming a, a more and more concern. I mean, Andrew Luck had, had the potential to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, had to retire early because of, of, of being injury prone. Uh, Robert Griffin III had one of the potentials to be the best running quarterback of all time, a Lamar Jackson type player. Um, and, and, and he ended up having injury concerns. So I, I don't think it's, it's the running quarterback aspect. Uh, of it all uh, and, and I don't think it's it's that he that he necessarily throws his body around as Matt said but it's that some guys just are more injury prone than others and also to just speak uh, in, in pro of, of Justin Herbert I mean 6'6 237 pounds the build of a number one quarterback 3,471 yards this season 32 touchdowns six interceptions for Oregon and he did not have the quality receivers that that Tua had down there at Alabama. He did not have the coaching quality that he had in Nick Saban. I mean, Oregon, Oregon's program was sitting, uh, you know, in, in a mediocre place uh, a few seasons ago. And when, when Justin Herbert uh, got there in 2016, he was able to lead them to, to new heights and, and lead them to a Rose bowl on the cusp of a college football playoff berth this season, which would be the, the first in Pac-12 history. So, I mean, this guy has just done it all out of out of uh, out of Oregon, and I think he can do it all in the NFL as well. And I think just uh, I think it's more about Tua not living up to expectations um, in, in terms yeah, of staying. Well, the college is, football is playoff used... hasn't really been around that long, so that's that's not saying too much, but. Two. Well, it's been around since what, 2014? Yeah, but they were in it with Mariota. So, to uh... well, wait quickly. I just want to add one more thing, Adam. As you said earlier, I probably grew about 10 inches. <laughs> but um, I just want to make one claim claim for my rebuttal, and then I'll hand it off to Lewis. The Dolphins in 2006 had an opportunity to sign Drew Brees in free agency. However, the doctors looked at him. They said. He had a shoulder injury and had a couple of them, and they decided to pass on him due to injury concerns. The Saints took that risk on Drew Brees, and it was arguably the best move in franchise history as he led them to a Super Bowl. 
Uh, and that, I believe that's the Saints' only Super Bowl they've ever won. You can't let a similar situation happen twice. you got to take the risk on Tua. He has the potential to become an elite quarterback in the NFL, and Dolphin fans were hurt for so many years after this, ha- missing out on the opportunity of having Drew Brees lead their team, and you really just got to risk it at Tua. They have three first-round picks. They're going to have two first-round next year, and they just got to go with the man who has the potential. You don't win by taking the guy who you – you don't win by playing safe. Yeah, and I mean, if Tua didn't get hurt last season, we wouldn't be having this debate. He's the better player disregarding the injuries that happened. And, I mean, when it comes down to the actual skill set, as you said, Matt, accuracy is better than arm strength, and Tua has that. In addition, Tua's the better leader. Bing, bing, bing. That's the time in your rebuttal, Lou. (laughs) Okay. So, Matt, why don't you get into our rebuttal? very quickly. Tua is not Drew Brees. When, when that happened, Drew Brees had already thrown for several 3,000-year seasons and made the playoffs with the Chargers, and he didn't normally get injured. And I think the first thing I'm going to say is that I don't, I don't think Tua is as good as Justin Herbert if he's healthy. He's the type of guy where every completion is on a silver platter, and I saw when they weren't on a silver platter, he struggled. He got sacked. He missed the throw. Plus, arm strength, I think, is more important uh, than accuracy in terms of overall potential. Go ahead, Adam. All right, uh, I'll finish off with the last 15 seconds of our time. Uh, I think Justin Herbert, a proven guy who can take a, a middling team to, to new heights. Uh, he has all the intangibles of, of a great quarterback who can lead. And I, I think, you know, in, in respect to Tua, I think, yeah, injuries do matter. It's not like they don't. So you have to consider that um, in this debate. So uh, you guys can decide who won the debate. Not going to count for any points in the structure, but the next section will count for points. Take us All away, right, Chris. so each week we're going to do a quiz. So I'm the biggest hockey fan here, so I'm going to do hockey. Lewis is going to be in charge of basketball. Hassan doing football, and Adam doing baseball. So we're going to alternate each week, meaning I'm ineligible to get any points this week. So um, it's a hockey quiz this week. It's 10 questions, and I'm going to give you guys each 10 seconds to answer. I'm going to alternate the order. So basically, practice question, I'd be like, who is the captain of the Islanders, let's say. I'd give you guys 10 seconds. Adam says Lee. Then I'd say, Hassan, what's your answer, Lee? And Lewis, Lee. And I will change the order of who answers, just honor system, so you don't steal other people's answer, and let's take it away. I'll be recording who gets the most amount of correct answers as well, and this should be a good one. All right, first question. Which NHL team was in first place, and which NHL team was in last place when the league went on pause? What's the order? Uh, whatever. Uh, who have, well, it's first and last, but I'm sure that's not that big of a concern. No, uh, I'm talking about who's. Oh, oh yeah, I'm going to give 10 seconds. Uh, we'll do Adam Matt Lewis first. All right. I think first place was. Man, uh, Capitals and last place was the um, Kings. Uh, Lewis? I mean, Hassan? Hassan? Um, I know the Bruins. I, I'm pretty sure the Bruins are in first place, and I think it was the Red Wings in the last. And Lewis. Yeah, I I think it was the Bruins and the Kings in last. Well, only one of you got it right, and that person is Matt Hassan. It was the Bruins in first and the Red Wings in last, and the Red Wings were on their on the worst season in since the lockout in 20, uh, 2005. They were on an awful pace, and they were – it was just an embarrassment for them in their part. All right, another second question. 
we're going to do reverse order this time. So Lewis, Matt, Adam, it's name three captains in the NHL currently playing. Lou? Yeah. For the Go ahead, Islanders, Lewis. we have Anders Lee. Wow, you kind of stole that one from before, <laughs> but. For the. You don't need to name the team either. You just need to name the captain. Okay. Brent Burns. And. Five. Four. Alex Ovechkin. Three. Hassan? I'm going to, well, Anders Lee, uh, Patrice Bergeron, and uh, Jonathan Taze. And Adam. Uh, well, I guess we're allowed to do one repeat or whatever. Uh, I know Bo Horvat for the Vancouver Canucks, Connor McDavid for the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, Adam oh, is yeah. the only one who got it right. Which one of mine wasn't a captain? Brett. Patrice Bergeron is not the captain of the Bruins. It's Dano Chara, oh. and Logan Couture is the captain of the Sharks, not Brent Burns. Oh. So the school leaderboard right now is one one zero. If for Adam one, Hassan one, Lewis zero. All right, name two number ninety ones currently playing. We will do Hassan, Lewis, Adam. Okay, uh, Stamkos and uh, Tavares. Damn, I was gonna say Stamkos and Tavares too. <laughs> Adam. Uh, yeah, those are the correct yes. answers. <laughs> Additional ones include Tarasenko, Sagan. Okay. All right. Number four. Name all four teams Wayne Gretzky played for in order. We will do Adam Lewis Hassan. All right. I know he played for. Oh, did he? He started out with Edmonton, and he went to the Kings. Okay, the Rangers then. Oh, it's no, it's someone in between the Rangers. Oh, I can't, I can't think of the other team. I'll go on on a limb and say, it's not a, it's not a capital. Uh, I don't know the Bruins. I, I don't know Rangers Passing. Bruins. I, he didn't play for the Passing Bruins. I just, I order, Chris? yes. Okay, definitely the Oilers first, then the Kings, and there was someone in between the Rangers. I want to say it's the Blues. So I'm gonna say Oilers, Kings, Blues, Rangers. And Lewis. Yeah, Oilers, Kings, Blues, Rangers. Hassan and Lewis are yep. correct. I knew we played. Yeah, I knew. I, I knew didn't it was know the order, between, but I knew we played for the Blues. I just couldn't too. think of it. I couldn't remember if it was the Blues or or, or it was the Blackhawks. Or I don't know why I was confused. About he played, I think, one season in St. Louis and was traded to the Rangers. Or a free agent, I'm not sure, but he played very limited time in St. Louis. So what's the score? All right, it is three for Hassan, two for Adam, two for Lewis. Okay. We will start with Lewis, go to Hassan, and then Adam. Which teams played in the 2020 Winter Classic? Oof. <laughs> it's Blackhawks and the Blues. Hassan? Uh, uh, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs? And Adam. The Bruins and the Stars? Adam was the closest one. It was the Stars and the Predators. Oh. Uh. Oh, yeah, the Predators. Oh. I just remember the guy walking off. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, now I remember. <laughs> that was Cody. How could I forget him? That was Texas. Corey Perry. How, how could I forget that? Yeah, Corey Perry. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> All right. Um, we are moving on to number six, and the quiz will get more difficult. Okay. There are ten questions. More difficult. 
Yes. I thought the, I thought the first ones Uh-oh. were easy with the captains and all, but well, here we go. This is a multiple choice question. Who won the 2016 Calder Memorial Trophy for Rookie of the Year? Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, Matt Barzal, or Austin Matthews? We will go Hassan, Lewis, Adam. Uh, I think I think that was before Barzal, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Artemi. Lewis. 2016, McDavid. Yes. And Adam. If it wasn't Austin Matthews, then I don't know. So there's one of you who got the answer correct. And that person was Matt Hassan. It was Artemi Panarin. Really? Connor McDavid was injured in his rookie oh, year. yeah. Yeah, I, remember, I know. And I Panarin McDavid. took the Calder Trophy. Matthews won the following year. Then it was Barzell, yeah, and then it was Patterson. So at the moment... It's wow. Hassan with four, Adam and Lewis with two. Question seven. All right. No, Adam has three. Name Adam has one. three. Adam has yeah, three. The... Oh, never mind. Never mind. He said it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I got yeah. one of those right. Okay. Name one of the two players who were tied for the league lead in goals at the time of the pause, and you can get a bonus point for the correct number of goals. Oh, man. So we could do going? Adam, Hassan, Lewis. All right. Um, what's his name? Oh, the little rat dude. No, 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 no. Pasternak. Uh, that's one. And I have I, goal you number of goals. Uh, I don't know what he had. Like forty-eight. Okay. I don't know. Um, next. I have Pasternak and the goals. I'm gonna say forty-two. Um, I'm gonna say and Ovi, and uh, let's go with let's go with forty-five. Um, all three of you got the first part right, and one of you got the goals right, and and that person no was Adam way Jackman forty eight goals. Let's go! Oh my god, that's that's crazy. That was an all out guess. That was a oh pretty high. Here. I mean, Ovi normally struggles to get to fifty at the end of the year, um, and Matthews was at forty seven. Wow. So right now the leaderboard looks. Hassan is five. Adam is four. Lewis has two. As we approach question eight, no, I have 10. three. I have three. All right, that was a big one for me. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you have three. My bad. Um, all right, number eight. We will do Lewis Hassan. Lewis Adam Hassan. Or no, Hassan Adam Lewis. Hassan Adam, Hassan, Adam Lewis. Uh, we were going to do question eight. Name one draft prospect for the NHL 2020 draft. Um, someone from Finland. I have no idea. Oh, my God. Adam? <laughs> Uh, Alex Lafreniere, like I, I, I that, that should count. That's Lewis? like pretty close. Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere, Adam and Lewis, correct. Alexi Lafreniere Let's is su- supposedly the next Sidney Crosby. He plays at Crosby's minor league team, the Ramouski Oceanic, <laughs> in the Q, the Quebec Major Hockey League, and he's going to be the first overall Where's pick the- in the draft. It is. So we got five, 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 five four. four as we go to question nine. All right, let's go. Which team beat the United States in the 2019 World Juniors Championship? We will do Adam Lewis Hassan. World Juniors. I, I, the 2019 World Junior Championship. Yes. 2019. Canada won in 2020. Yeah, I know that. I was watching that with uh, 
when my, 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 my when my boy Shane Pinto was <laughs> yes, on the sir. U.S. team. Uh, but 2019, yes. who beat the U.S.? It wasn't Canada. I know that. Maybe like the Czech Republic. Next. I don't know. Probably that's not I... right. You know, I'm going to go with my gut, and this is before Adam even said anything. I was going to say the Czech Republic. Um, and Hassan. I, know, I remember they beat Russia in the semis, so it wasn't them. I'm going to go with Finland. What? Really? Correct. Matt Hassan got it right. I was. Th- yeah, I knew, oh, I knew that. So yeah. it is 6-5-4 going to the final question, which is pretty difficult. In which Canadian right. city was the 2020 draft supposed to be held? We will do in reverse order. So Lewis, Adam, Hassan. No, no, we'll do Hassan first because he's what the Canadian most. Hassan, city? Adam, Lewis. Um, let's say. Yes. Let's say um, Ottawa. Adam? I think it was in Ottawa last year because, again, my boy Shane Pinto got drafted by the Ottawa Senators. Um. Whew. It's probably Ottawa, to be honest, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Montreal. Lewis, I'm going to go with Ottawa. One of you got it correct, and it was Adam, Montreal, and he ties Hassan go. with so six. So we move right. to the bonus question. I'll take question, that. And you guys are going to have to say the answer at the exact same time. So Lewis finishes last, and this is a very interesting question. Who can name a player with a longer last name? You have 10 seconds, and on I, I I will count you down from two, and you have to say it at the same time. Okay. Right. I, I think I have one. I think I have one in mind. Nemestikov. Two, one. Vladislav Nemestikov. Kovalchuk. Let's see. Oh, that's definitely longer than Kovalchuk. Nemestikov has four... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, and Koval Chuck has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nemestikov no has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A- no, Nemestikov has ten. Nemestikov has ten. Hassan oh has Oh my one God! One letter for week one in the quiz on the bonus. I would have said Tarasenko. Oh, that's a good one. The longest last what name in the had. league is Forsbeka Carlson. <laughs> I would have said Tarasenko or Spetsnikov. I, I should have said Ekman Larson oh or something like that. A hyphen name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right, that was So stupid. we will have to look at the point systems again. Um, uh, I got Matt, Matt. Matt finished with seven on the Matt quiz, right? Matt had one, two, three. Yeah, seven. Seven, so six, I, so and he four. had seven, I had five. Um, Adam, Lewis you had six. had four, so yes, I had six. So, so I finished with 17 for the day. Lewis finishes with four, right? So he has 18 for the day. Matt is the high on the day. Obviously, Chris, you can't participate in the quiz, so you'll catch up later. But uh, he finishes with the high of and 21. What was for my, the day. my total score again? Yeah, from well, your well, your yours okay. was 14 uh, for, the, right. for, the, for the first part. All right. Well, I, I think that was probably the most entertaining part of our uh, our show today. I mean, Chris, can, uh, cl- hats off Thank to you, you for sir. the great quiz. Uh, I hope we I hope the rest of us can can follow up uh, on the next episodes. But keep listening. I mean, we'll have NBA. We'll have we'll have hockey, of course, as we listen to today. We'll have football. 
and we'll have baseball from yours truly. And the final really segment of our show is the interesting story. So this every week will be uh, just something from our own personal experience with sports that is entertaining, cool, weird, outrageous, uh, just just something that, that will entertain uh, our listeners. So I think this week um, you will be entertained. And, uh, and for, the, for the remaining shows, these stories will not be shared previously with the guys that uh, we're talking to. Everyone will get a chance to share their story this week. It's my chance. And I'm going to share a story about um, the running back for the New York Giants – uh, a couple years back, Brandon Jacobs. Now, the guys have heard this story already, but for future weeks, they won't. So they'll be a little more surprised by it, but they've heard this. But but for our listeners, get ready for something crazy. Uh, so I went to week 16 of the 2011 Giants season. That was the game that Victor Cruz had the 99-yard touchdown um, against the Jets. Uh, that was a really cool experience. I was sitting with my grandpa and my and my cousin. It was a great time. Uh, but before the game, we went down to the tunnel as the Giants were coming back from their warmups. And here, and this is obviously the season that they went to the Super Bowl. It was a crazy environment. Um, they were set. They were seven and seven, or six and six, or seven and seven at the seven and seven at the time. And the Jets and they had a good to win out too. to win the division. Um, so they needed they needed this game. Uh, and Brandon Jacobs was obviously very hyped up because as he's walking off the field, he comes up and, and I'm standing right next to a, a Jets fan right by the tunnel in those seats. And, th- and this tunnel, you know, the, the seats above it have got to be like 10, 10 feet above the ground. So Brandon Jacobs is, is, is going crazy and he jumps up to the top to, to scream in the face of this Jets fan, <laughs> fuck you. And 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 I was in and and I'm like ten years old at the time. I'm in fifth grade, and and I was like, holy shit, that is insane! Like an NFL like crazy ass running back just came up and and yelled in the face of a Jets fan. And from that point on, the Giants were unstoppable. They won out the rest of their games. They went. Uh, they went six and zero to to go on to win the Super Bowl, and you never know. Maybe that that crazy <laughs> mentality of you know fuck fuck the other team uh, got got in the minds of those giant players. And Brandon Jacobs, obviously in my mind, uh, one of a one of a group of very special giant running backs, a third down back could always count on him to get the first down, and uh, that's just something I'll always remember um, from the time I was ten years old watching the Giants. So that's our interesting story of the week. We'll have stories all like that from our experiences across sports. Um, and I'm sure they'll be, they'll be great. But, uh, you know, Brent, any, anyone have uh, any, any, I mean, I agree with Fuck the Jets. <laughs> hey, we went 11 to five. <laughs> Lou, I'm sure you don't agree with that. <laughs> what do you do in the playoffs? <laughs> actually no this was this was actually the year after we went on 11 all right well we missed the playoffs by a game even ah okay uh so it was that game no we also lost the dolphins nobody likes the jets on this show well well lou kind of got shit on at the end here but uh He's doing pretty well in the standings. We'll give you a standings check. So, Chris, take it last away. Last place is me. I have 14 points. But then again, I was unable to participate in the quiz. Adam has 17 points. Lewis, 18. And Hassan, 21. So Matt Hassan is currently the leader in the standings for season one. Yeah, and so we'll I want everybody, out the show. Uh, I know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it's a regular thing. My hockey knowledge is pretty abundant. 
it's nothing like Chris's, but it's the best of the rest of us, I guess, so far. Uh, next week, we're going to probably have reactions from the draft. The draft is next Thursday. A lot of fun new segments, fun old segments. And I guess maybe I'll be doing the quiz now that I won. Well, there'll be, there'll be another quiz, and there'll be a new story. All right. And I hope you guys love the show as much as I did. So Thank Talk. you for listening in, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you.